So we often hear lawyers enter into any real estate transaction towards the end of um, the process. Uh, but lawyers play a very important part. Um, and today I want to invite uh, Chad Regan um, from Regan Law. Chad Regan, Barrister and Solicitor. There you go. So Chad Regan today on the, our podcast, and he's giving you some information with regards to real estate transaction. So Chad, why don't you tell our audience, how did you come into this field? So Jyoti, thanks for having me on the podcast, first off. Um, I came into, I, I started my own practice in uh, March of 2021 at the height of the pandemic. Um, uh, because I wanted to begin to practice both in real estate and in family and wills and estates. I come from a development background. I worked with a, I worked as in-house counsel for a major GTA area developer um, in mid-rise and, uh, and low-rise housing. And so I'm fairly familiar with pre-construction. Uh, I also do resale, as you're well aware. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion today and to offering some uh, legal information about uh, these transactions. Well, thank you so much, Ad. Um, I really appreciate you accepting this and coming um, to educate with the information that you can provide us. So, Chad, I basically, first of all, what intrigued you? Let's start with that. Into real estate? My, Into, yeah. My family has been uh, in development for effectively since they came to Canada. Um, so it's sort of in the blood. Mm -hmm. um, it made good sense for me to go into it. I've been exposed to it from uh, working on the job site to fund my tuition uh, to today. I, I'm a real estate lawyer practicing in uh, Halton, Hamilton in the GTA. A lot of uh, my audience are new to Canada. So in terms of becoming a lawyer, how challenging that is? It's, it's fairly demanding. Uh, so to, um, to become a lawyer, you first write uh, the LSAT, mm -hmm. uh, which is um, sort of a glorified IQ test. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's quite demanding. That excludes a lot of folks from the process very early on. Um, if you can get through the LSAT, uh, you then have to write a series of essays and do a series of interviews uh, in order to get into major law schools. In my particular case, um, those essays and interviews were both in French and English because uh, I went to McGill, mm -hmm. um, which was great. Um, and then in addition to all of that, you have uh, usually three to four years of law school, uh, which is incredibly academically rigorous. And then the Law Society has you write the bar exams, which are a very long series of uh, exams that test you on uh, all areas of law. So people who are planning to pursue or who are pursuing this at this point of time, would you feel that you had any social life or no social life at all? I had some social life. In fact, I think having a social life and being... Um, involved in your community and in your school outside of your academic life is incredibly important um, because while you want to be considering your your GPA, your GPA is one factor in a series of factors and uh, particularly the most demanding schools are going to expect that you have major community involvement which 
um, is, is critical to your admission. So, so it's kind of a jack of all trade and you have to be, um, excelling in all the fields. Exactly. That's absolutely good. I mean, in terms of you also want to have social skills, not just academic skills. So, so there's a, uh, for doctors, they have a, what's called bedside manner. Mm-hmm. Um, lawyers also have to have some sort of bedside manner. Awesome. So, yeah, you definitely have to have some social skills, some ability to build relationships, particularly in our field in real estate. It's all about relationships. So yeah, social skills are very important. And I must say, I admire um, your approach, the way you articulate yourself every time and you are on dot, like any question I ask you, it's always there, the answer. And I really appreciate that because quite often you are um, dealing with different clients and then, you know, their expectations are different. So if you are not able to answer it immediately, you tend to forget. But with you, it's like always immediate answer and I really appreciate that because that way I am able to answer immediately to my clients and they really appreciate my efforts right so it's it's like sort of a communication which is two-way and then here we are it's not just two-way it's three-way that we are communicating so the relationship that we built is very very important and because you mentioned that um, now I feel that, yes, that, that requirement that is for like, you know, being able to have a social, um, skills as well as academic skills, like all knowledge is like one-sided, but definitely you should have so that you are able to, uh, provide the information dot on time. Part of my approach to law is that uh, I want to be able to have that academic sort of theoretical knowledge, but I want to be able to bring it to people and make it usable and accessible. So um, I, I'm really happy when uh, my agents or my clients come to me, and I'm really happy to try and uh, attempt to make uh, sometimes complicated and jargon-filled legal information accessible and actionable for them. That's what's important. Usually real estate lawyers come towards the end of the process. But what would you suggest? When is the best time to introduce the clients to the lawyers? So uh, this is this is a common phenomena where the lawyer gets a call about a month before closing or two months before closing. And uh, by that point, the agreement is dealt with. Um, and if you're talking uh, pre-construction, your your ten days, your ten day cooling period is usually passed. The best time to come to the lawyer, ideally, uh, is in, during the drafting phase of the APS in a resale or for a, an APS review uh, when it comes to pre-construction. And there are a few reasons for that, which we're we're going to review. Definitely. So there are there are three different directions that we are going in terms of resale pre-construction and you're also talking about the cooling period um the third one also is like if you're buying a condo then um obviously status certificate is something that comes to a point so um the clauses i would say are standard in terms of an aps um how bringing a lawyer in between makes a difference is it like are you saying um some houses have different understanding or how does it make a difference not choosing standard clauses but um consulting a lawyer yes there's a standard ontario aps that uh you're well familiar with um it's worth having a lawyer take a look into it um in particular for warranties on certain items that Mm -hmm. may not survive closing 
you can modify that in your agreement. Um, it's worth having a lawyer look over it um, with respect to deposits. Um, uh, with respect to financing is an important one that seems to have fallen by the wayside mm-hmm. in, through the pandemic in this hot market. Um, so that's, those are some of the considerations as far as resale goes. Um, for pre-construction, it's uh, acutely important uh, that during your 10-day cooling period, you come to a lawyer. There are a few reasons for that. On the investor side of things, um, if you're looking to, uh, as many investors are, to assign, uh, there are often uh, caveats in the assignment clause. So uh, is your developer, for example, requiring that their project have a certain threshold of sales uh, prior to your assignment? Uh, Does your uh, developer prohibit you from assigning prior to that point? Um, Often, um, uh, I'm losing my words here, sorry. Um, Often uh, during that 10-day cooling period, um, your lawyer will be able to find in your agreement uh, certain Um, value-added points that you may have missed, and then you've come to them on closing and they they can't add that value once the 10 days are up. So are we saying it's mostly the financial aspect that should be taken care of? It's partially the financial aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also uh, coming to the lawyer so that the lawyer can translate, in effect, from legalese into uh, sort of actionable words uh, for the client. So how long does it take generally for the APS? A, a typical APS review can, ha- can have a turnaround of sort of one or two days. Um, a lot of, in a builder contract, because they often vary, it can take a little longer, might be toward the two-day mark. Mm-hmm. So it's always best as soon as you have an APS uh, to, to seek legal assistance. So, um, Chad, what kind of costs are there that people should be aware of? I, he- I hear a lot of, you know, development costs, uh, park levy, um, interim occupancy, etc. Could you throw some light on that? So, interim occupancy is one of the fees uh, that uh, people often aren't aware of when they're signing on these pre-construction contracts. Uh, interim occupancy is generally going to look something like uh, what your mortgage payment would look like as a general rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is in addition to your, your, uh, your purchase price. Um, there will also usually be a, a large additional uh, deposit payment um, uh, on uh, interim occupancy. Um, you'll also have levy fees that are sometimes, that's one of the big shockers for folks. Um, uh, so you, you should be aware of this, and particularly if you're, if you're looking to assign these deals, you should be aware of the, the cost-reward uh, sort of benefit um, of risking not being able to assign and having to possibly pay these fees. Um, and that, that is where the sort of value added of going to a lawyer, the lawyer will let you know about these, these types of fees and contingencies. So, so when you're saying that, uh, are we saying that how real estate transaction, the closing cost is pretty much standard what is defined uh, initially um, in terms of pre-construction as well, or it's, it's undecisive? So the levies can vary. Uh, it's, it's generally fairly standard that you can expect those fees on a pre-construction deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the trouble is that, uh, especially in assignments, uh, folks often uh, presume that they'll be able to assign 
prior to closing that it's a guarantee. And mm -hmm. it's not always a guarantee. It's often the case, but not always a guarantee. So uh, as with any investment, there's risk and reward. And a wise investor is aware of both and makes their decision uh, based on global knowledge of both. I definitely would want to, you know, have another session where we are talking in depth about this. Um, so a quick question that came to my mind is when we were talking about these closing costs and all, what is a statement of adjustment? So the statement of adjustments is uh, in a resale will generally include uh, property tax adjustments. So they'll take the, the total amount of property tax um, for the year and then they'll prorate that amount. You'll adjust based on that amount. Um, on either the side of the vendor or the purchaser. Um, it can sometimes include utilities costs. Uh, those often end up being uh, dealt with post-closing. Um, and then it may also include on inspection if there are uh, deficiencies, uh, the, the lawyer and real estate agent will negotiate and work together sometimes to, uh, to come to an abatement on those deficiencies that will be included in the statement of adjustments. And I guess uh, the relationship is really important in this time where um, you're going without any contingencies and putting an offer. So um, quick consultation with a lawyer, with home inspector and mortgage advisor is something that can bring everything together. And so we, when you, a buyer is going, um, is going confidently, you know, uh, and putting an offer there. Right? When you're making one of the biggest purchases of your yeah. life, it makes good sense uh, to, uh, to invest in all of these value-added uh, uh, sort of features. And yeah. The no, relationship I'm, with the agent is, is critical at that point. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Chad, why don't you tell us about some of the interesting uh, events that have taken place while doing such transactions? I'm fortunate to have had a primarily, I pride myself on ensuring smooth transactions for my clients. So generally my approach is about a month before I try and, you know, I try and speak with the agent. I try and look over the agreement again just to make sure there are no sort of unexpected uh, surprises on closing. I have uh, recently some examples uh, might include uh, potential landlord-tenant board issues. Those are something you should really be mm -hmm. concerned with because they, they can run with the land. Um, without getting into great details there, that's, uh, that's a potential serious concern. Um, a common other uh, deficiency would be uh, with pools and hot tubs, right. where those are included in the agreement. And then on final inspection, folks go and try and you know see if they're functioning and they're not. And yet that's where the ability of the lawyer and the agent to negotiate with the other agent comes in. That's great. So besides uh, the real estate, um, Chad, is there something else that you take care of, like wills and family law? So I do what I would call cradle to grave law. So I do, uh, I do your real estate transaction. Um, I attempt as best I can to make sure you have a smooth, calm closing. Uh, I work with your agent as much as is possible to ensure that that's the case. Um, after your real estate transaction, often clients are acutely aware that they've just spent this considerable amount of money. They want to protect their investment. Right. They're thinking about the future. So uh, they'll often come back for a will um, in order just to protect that investment. And um, in the unfortunate uh, cases, uh, sometimes they'll come back to me for family law advice. 
Um, that can range from adoptions and uh, applications for guardianship, which are sort of happy family law, uh, all the way over to matrimonial law. And I actually was coming to that question because it's quite often the case people have a... I would say don't have a clear understanding of what's a matrimonial home and how does the um, it's considered when there is um, family law involved in such cases. So matrimonial home is the home that you you share as a couple. Um, the manner in which you uh, take title to that home is irrelevant to the division of its of, of its Very value. Important factor. Important yeah. factor. Mm-hmm. Um, for common law couples, uh, the the title is important. If you are a married couple, the title is not relevant to the division of the of the value. Matrimonial home is a complicated concept because cottages and other recreational properties can also be considered matrimonial homes. There are legal tests to determine that, um, but it's important again to come to a lawyer and get this advice uh, on your closing. So with the changing world, uh, Chad, now uh, communication and contacting uh, or way of approaching has changed. How have you pivoted? So I have pivoted to a primarily virtual practice. And what I think what a lot of people fear in a virtual practice is that you lose the personal touch. And what I've really, what's kind of surprised me about it is actually how much uh, contact you really can have with your clients. Um, as I've stated before, a major tenant of my practice is to make law accessible to my clients. It's not useful to them if they don't understand it and they're not able to feel free to ask questions. So I always make it clear to my clients that they they should call me. They shouldn't hesitate to contact me if they have questions. I want them to understand their transaction. I want them to feel comfortable getting into their transaction. And um, that's where our relationship comes into the picture because we both ensure that smooth closing. We both ensure that the client feels Mm -hmm. good and confident going into their closing. So would you want to tell our audience how to reach you? Yeah. Uh, My phone number is 905-333-4229. That's always best. I'm always about a personal call with you. Um, My Instagram is cregenlaw. That's under construction at the moment. (laughs) Uh, and my email is chad at cregenlaw.com. So Instagram is actually um, very popular these days yes. and everyone has to be um, available on social media these days. So I really appreciate that you are coming up with uh, the changing uh, world and out there in the social media. Um, so yeah, feel free to connect with Chad. If you have any questions that you want to ask with regards to real estate, whether it is Uh, learning about closing cost or statement of adjustment or any kind of real estate related question, um, feel free to connect with us um, and we'll be more than happy to be with you on a cup of coffee. Jyoti, thanks so much for having me.